Hello and welcome to season two of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Pastors. Today's episode is entitled The Quick Fix in hey. Chasing Cool. Wow. Hey, it, that sounds interesting. You know, I thought it was very interesting, oh. which is why I suggested it. Did you come up with that? Uh, as a point of preface, let's just, I, I think, you know, for again, for the dozens of viewers and listeners that we have. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Yes. (laughs) This whole podcast is entitled Crazy Pastors. Yes. Part of that is because you and I recognize that perhaps we might be a little crazy. It's an element for sure. We definitely know a lot of pastors and have heard more and more in the news that truly are crazy. Yeah, Yeah. so that can be good or bad, right? Right. So what we want to do throughout the podcast is really just kind of share ideas that we have, talk about maybe some events along the way, but really just kind of share the lessons we've learned along the way yeah. that help us to overcome our craziness. We know a few things because we've seen a few things. Yes. Well, I hope that's not trademarked. Yes. <laughs> Yet uh, at the same time, in all humility, there mm. are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors that know more and have seen more than oh, we have. No doubt. Right? They just don't have a cool podcast. They just don't have a crazy <laughs> pastor podcast. All right. So today's lesson is the quick fix and chasing cool. So the first topic here, Yes. This is this is something just I encountered the last 20 years of coaching, consulting, that kind of stuff. I'll just say it for myself. As a consultant, when an organization, a company, or a church would hire me to come in and help, I would be signing 12 to 18-month contracts mm. that were renewable in 12 to 18 months. Yeah. And I knew that if I didn't help make a humongous change, a significant difference in that organization, in that contract period, that I would be fired. Yeah. And I'd have to go find work somewhere else. So what percentage of those were renewed, would you say? About zero. Okay. I yeah. have, I'm have i a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> but they did get better, there's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but it was that mentality that I just have to constantly press, press, press to affect change. Sure, yes. And so as we translate that to the church, one of the things that I've seen, data still supports it, that a senior pastor in Southern Baptist life, on average, is staying about three years at a post. Average, yes. On average. Now, of course, some stay 26, 29, but yeah. that means there's a whole bunch that are staying six months, too. Right, yeah, that's uh, quite so an average. So three years, five years, you know, that yeah. that seems to be about normal, especially when a pastor is going through the process of discovering where his destination is as he continues to grow and to become and to become more organizationally aware and be able to grow and do bigger things. Yeah, so there's all kinds of factors involved in right. that. Right, yes. I mentioned not, yes. So here, here's the thing. When a pastor walks into a new church, does he feel the pressure immediately, knowing he may have a short three- to five-year time window here to affect change in that church? I think so. I mean, that's it's interesting shift. You know, when I was early on in my training, the advice that we always received... That was at Missionary Union? That was, uh, yes, was that? back in the 1800s. Was the, the advice was, you know, when you get to a new church, just spend that first year building relationships. Just don't make any changes. Just get to know people and establish yourself. Well, obviously, and then I received some advice later on from actually a church member where I just arrived said, you know, we've been waiting for a new pastor for 18 months. We're ready to go. <laughs> Don't right. feel like you have to go slow. Take advantage of your honeymoon period, which right. I thought was was wise, but I think there's a balance there. Sometimes you can go too fast. You do have to build trust. But that idea of I need to kind of ease into it, you know, is is not the best, or I need to go think things really fast is not the best. But there's that pressure of how much can I get done in a short time because I may not be here very long. And you know that if... Let, 
and I, I apologize, I'm not trying to take away from the spiritual guidance and God's hand in our careers as he moves us to different places. Sure. What I am proposing is that there are human elements here. Yes. And that if I am just starting my career, the first church that I consulted for may have been, matter of fact, it was, the first the first two churches that I worked for averaged about 250 in worship. Yeah. Well, I had to prove I could do it at 250 yeah. before a church of 2,000 or 10,000 or whatever would hire me, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think pastors go through the same thing. You got to be able to prove that you can lead a church of 100. You got to prove, or yeah. granted, that's not the pathway of all. Right. But right. generally, there is a progression. Yeah. And so you do have to prove you can do it. And there's an element of pride there, right? Every pastor wants to be able to say, yes, my church is growing and my change, the change I've led have been effective. And so there's a, a little bit of self-promotion, I think, too, that goes along with that. Well, if I can dovetail into that, right? So I just have to confess, it's infuriating to me, especially as I get older. Perhaps When I was younger, I may have been more full of myself and maybe mm. people listening still think I am. Yeah. <laughs> But send in your comments. Yes, please, <laughs> please send them in to Drew at First yeah. Burleson. You know, hearing people pontificate mm. about how great their church is doing is sometimes yeah. nauseating. Oh yes, oh yeah. Well, that's the unasked question among pastors. You, you know, it's like you never ask a ranch owner how many acres he has. You're not supposed to ask a pastor how much they run in attendance. But we all want to know. I mean, that's we, just yeah. kind of, we find subtle ways to figure that out, but yeah. We all know it's not about nickels and noses, yeah. but at the same time, it's about nickels it and is noses. a measure, Yeah, and it's, it's an important one. It's very one. competitive. Pastors are very competitive, no doubt. Right. So here's my thing, and you, you balance my thought on this. Piper wrote this book a long time ago that was Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. Mm-hmm. That really stirred within me the idea that we should function and act as ministers of the gospel way more like monks than we do as business professionals. Mm. And again, that may be weird thinking, but what I'm processing when I say that is that when I went to a cathedral in Europe and saw this building that had been there for six, seven hundred years or longer— that took hundreds of years to build, I was amazed by the history of it, the effort of it. And then I come to the States and see a church, which over there was cathedral, right? Right, right. And you think it's just so fast-paced, it's so short-lived, and I just wish that we had more of the idea that when we come into a church, that we are we are inserting into something that's been happening for decades in most yeah. cases. yeah. And so our job is to come alongside what's happening there yeah. instead of just coming in and changing everything. Well, you know, I like the, the analogy of laying down railroad tracks, mm. you know, as, as the railroad was making its way across the country and, and every group would build on what the group before had built. So you don't, you don't take a different route. You don't add next to the track. You, you come alongside, but you join what is already being done. And we don't talk about that. I mean, I think that's part of a pastor realizing who he or she is and stepping into that, yeah, I fit the direction the church is going. And obviously a church begins to take on the personality of its lead pastor. But as a lead pastor stepping in, say, yeah, I see what this has been built on. I see the legacy, the history. That fits who I am. Rather than come in, I'm going to train wreck this thing and get it to a whole different place. That's where God's vision really falls in rather than man's vision. Well, we've seen it over and over and over again where a pastor walks in, senior pastor walks in and says, guess what? We're not doing traditional worship anymore. We're doing modern worship. And we're not just doing modern worship. Blended's out. We're doing full-on rock modern service. Yeah. Oh, and this whole thing you guys call Sunday school, uh, we're not doing any of that. We're doing life groups. It's all life groups now. 
Yeah. And we call that in the past the worship wars, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and all that stuff. And I just yeah. think it's all nonsense. I really do. Yeah. I appreciate the reluctant pastor who leads through change passionately, sometimes aggressively, but with restraint. Yeah, I mean, the book that changed my ministry focus was Canoeing the Mountains right. by Bull Singer. And just that line, leaders disappoint people at a rate they can handle. Amen. I just think that's brilliant on two sides. First of all, you realize that I need to gauge where my people are. Have I brought too much change? But also, I need to understand how rapidly my people can accept change. So we always kind of see that, well, you need to slow down. Well, I think it's also a balance of, hey, I think maybe these people are more open to change than I thought. And so rather than trying to slow down as much as I thought, I, I need to speed up a little bit and get this thing rolling because they have been anxious. And especially when one pastor leaves and you have that interim time, right. everything's in neutral. And there's loss that occurs at times. And the church that is still there are like, we're ready to get going. And the new pastor is like, well, I just got here. Well, let's figure this out together you know, you're here, but here's what we're hopeful for and excited, and let's make this happen together. That's the key, doing this together. In our pre-podcast discussion, part of the what you and I talked about is this tension, right, that most churches, when hiring a new senior pastor, probably don't have mission, vision, strategy, values all written out ahead of time for yeah. the new pastor to look at, right? Yeah, it would be great if they did. But that's just, that's not necessarily reality. I right. get that. But that is an ideal to pursue. I, I would think, is an example, that when the new senior pastor, and I don't, forgive me, let's take a great church like Redeemer Prez, okay. right? Yeah. I, and forgive me for not knowing if Tim Keller's still preaching there right now or not. But when that shift occurs and new leadership is running and managing Redeemer, I'm assuming they're not walking in to say, guess what? We were doing this, <laughs> yeah. now we're doing this. Tim was wrong. I'm <laughs> right? going this way. Yeah. <laughs> so I really respect the churches, though, that invest the amount of effort, energy, yeah. uh, and continuity in leadership. Yeah. in order to support yeah. long-term vision. Well, I think that's the key, right? The continuity of leadership, the group. that, And so that's why a pastor cannot be an island unto himself. He has to spread the vision, has to have other people involved in those conversations and, and driving that, whether it's staff or lay people, deacons, whatever. But that's, that's the idea, and that's in concept. We all, we all understand that. We want God's vision for the church, not what the senior pastor thinks ought to happen. But typically, that's what happens. It's what that pastor was based on his personality and gifts. And now when he leaves, well, then we need to find somebody just like that person, or we're about to change everything we have. And so that causes all kinds of heartache and disruption and splintering in churches. But if you were able to sit down and say, hey, look, you're our pastoral candidate. This is the vision we have. This is our vision framework, mission, vision, strategy, values. This is what we're about. Right. Do you feel like you're a fit? into this. Not that it's going to be the same flavor, but there's that same basic core desire. Well, there has to be that, so. that tissue match. Tissue match. There you right? go. There's the term, tissue match. Tissue match. Yeah. Well, also in Bolsinger's book, we learned a lesson early on here by clearly letting our people know that these are the things that are not going to change here. That was huge. Right? And that, I, I think, just alleviated a lot of fears of people recognizing that while we may refer to ourselves as First Burleson, right, we have not changed the name from First Baptist Church of Burleson. Yeah, and I think that's the core that, again, you hope people understand. Let's talk about what is not going to change. Let's, you know, and in hindsight, wish we had thought through that when we got here, but let's talk about that first. Right. But let's just right. build that security in 
Here's what we all agree on. And that opens the door to say, but here's some things that are going to change. But again, I think that why behind the what? Yeah. Why are we making this change? What's the purpose? And not that all changes are going to be successful, but I think people are secure when they know you've thought leadership has thought through the changes, the ramifications, the collateral damage. We've thought through all this, but we feel this is a change that God's leading us to. And some people, yeah. you talk about this quick fix, they, I, do, I think pastors unduly put pressure on themselves to not take the time to talk about this kind of stuff. We feel like the, the urgency is here. We've got to make it happen rather than let's, who can I bring into this conversation? So there's, con, not that you're trying to build consensus every time, but I've heard other thoughts and ideas, which help me to lead into the next step. Now, I probably will step on some toes here, oh, so good. I'll do it, not you, Ronnie, okay? Okay, mine? Okay. Let me step on some toes. In my experience, the likelihood of success in a church having long-term vision that carries over pastor to pastor to pastor, a common thread among those churches is that they have very, very consistent lay leadership in the church, that their governing board is not changing every year yeah. or every three years. People serve in that capacity for long periods of time yeah. as wizened men and women mm-hmm. to help lead the church. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is the key. You know, whether back in the old days it used to be deacons, deacons were kind of the, the leadership group, and now trustees or elders are kind of become in vogue, I guess. Right. <laughs> Session, Even though it's retro, yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah, so church council, whatever yeah. that is, I think that consistency. I think the the failure in that sometimes is we we want to rotate as many people through this as we can. Well, not everybody's equipped or qualified or gifted to be in that position. Right. So the idea of let's get them in here to help them grow and deepen in their faith that's just that's just not that's a misnomer. There's other places to do that. There's plenty of other places to do other that. than the final spiritual authority <laughs> yeah. in your church. Yeah, that's kind of not where you want the rookie. So it's <laughs> right. Person learning, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for helping us talk about the whole quick fix idea. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, do we have any sponsors, <laughs> Drew? Do we, we, do we do have now. any sponsors? Yes. Oh, um, oh, oh! I'm sorry. This just in. No sponsors. No sponsors. Our sponsors yes. just bailed. Members Mark purified water. Members Mark. (laughs) Now let's go to our segment, Go No Go. This is the part of our show where we highlight movies, books, or podcasts that have been helpful, or in Ronnie's case, just a singular thought. But also, (laughs) some of these are a complete waste of time. So Ronnie, why don't you go first? Well, I'd like to highlight Dr. Seuss and his book, Cat and the Hat. Yes, very well. Can you recite it? Just go. Go. Your turn. Yeah. No, I was at the Baptist General Convention of Texas annual meeting this week. Ed Stetzer was one of the guest speakers and just talked about the culture, talk about the church now in this worldwide pandemic. It was very insightful. He's great. Really, really love reading him and his blogs and posts and all. But he was making this statement to a group of ministers that it seems like today that most of our church people are being discipled by social media, by the media, by culture rather than by the church. And he doesn't mean discipled towards Christ by social media, but discipled about life. And he says that as a great warning and just did a great comparison of the Roman Empire when part of the issues that he believes and others believe led to the fall of the Roman Empire, actually because of great diseases and just insanity that existed in the people, traced back to one of the things that made the Roman Empire so powerful at one point, was the fact that the wealthy in Rome could have cold and hot running water. Awesome. And so by laying pipes down, it was able to do that. And plus the 
dishes and the plates that they had were made out of a special material that the poor couldn't afford and, and just added to their wealth. The problem was those pipes and those dishes and plates were made out of lead. Wow. So we know about lead poisoning today. They didn't know about it then. And so there was not a trace to what was causing all that, which led to the death of the Roman Empire. And so just to fast forward that today, he compared that to social media in our culture today, or even just the media, that what people are feeding themselves on, which seems great and seems wonderful, in some sense is actually killing them. And, and I agree. I mean, I think social media is a great tool, can be used for great things, but I think it is also a great weapon that can be used by the enemy. And so I just thought that statement and his book, and so Ed Stetzer just, he's a go for yes. me on just studying him and reading what he's got to say. So it's it's just kind of eye-opening comparison for me about what I call cultural Christianity, people who think they're Christians and think they're okay, but they're actually just dying because they're not okay. Great thought. Stets and yeah. I go way back, so... Yeah, yeah, Stets. Uh, <laughs> you were Stets No, he's got great ideas. Yeah. My go, and I'm sorry, thank you, Ronnie. Thank that, you, Christopher. That really is a deep thought go from go. Jack Handy, and it's very, very true. Yeah. You know, people out there, especially with the way the algorithms run... Yes. ...to support Social individual... Dilemma. Yeah, yeah. Got to see that. Yeah, Talk binary bias, yeah, you know... all of it. All that kind of good stuff. So I think you actually preached on this on Sunday, which is why it's still in my mind, that social media is a tool, Mm. and it can be a tool, but mostly it is a weapon right now. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's significant. It tells us what's wrong with us. Hey, my go, no go is actually a go. It is a book by Daniel Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E, and it is called The Culture Code. For the last 10 plus years, I've really been studying culture in companies, culture, organizational culture, culture in the church. What makes an organization have a super healthy culture? This singular book is the best I've read on the topic. Wow. So it just uh, lots of good meat in the book, lots of great illustrations from it, and practical applications that you can pull out of it. So just a big fan of Daniel Coyle's book, The Culture Code. That's a go. I'm ordering it right now. Uh, you've already read it. Oh, I know. that's right. Sorry. Uh, because all of our senior staff have I'll read, read it that twice. Book. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's get into topic number two yeah, of the podcast this is today, a good one. which is chasing cool. That's and this is a really important crazy. topic for us here because uh, we're cool. our listeners may not know, I am the anti-cool. Mm, uh, no. I, oh, no. It's, it's no. the truth. I, I can suck the life out of a party. Don't. I have no concept of what is cool, but Ronnie is like mega cool. But you ride motorcycles, man. That's cool. Yeah, I'm the lamest guy that rides the (laughs) coolest motor. The motorcycle is cool, but I am not Uh, riding it for sure. So, but no, Ronnie, Ronnie is way cooler than I am. But what we're talking about here in particular is in the church, this culture that's developed of chasing after the things which are cool in an effort, I think, to perhaps be relatable to people. Yeah, I think that's the goal to be relevant. I don't yes. get it. Yeah. No, I don't either. I think that's because you never you never obtain it, right? Because what's cool today is not cool tomorrow. We definitely see that. And that's just an endless pursuit uh, that leads to frustration, despair, and destruction. Well, let's think back to some of the examples that we've seen over the years. And I, I just wonder what was the effectiveness of it? So when you had Ed Young, yeah. the junior, 
Uh, the junior. Did the, you know, seven days of sex on top of his church, right? I don't think that's what oh, it that was. Oh, that wasn't what it was? <laughs> no. He had a, a, bed a bed on the stage. Oh, I thought they plexiglassed a bed on no. the roof of the well, building. he may have stayed up there like uh, old Roberts kind of move, but I don't know. But he did preach. His challenge was for husbands and wives to have sex for seven days in a row. Yes, but and didn't you have? Yeah, you were at a church not too a, far that's away. That's a funny story. I forget. Yeah, I <laughs> did need to you put not that have some book. church members that came up to you to senior say, hey, adults, "I won't be here for the next yes, seven senior days"? Senior adult men came to me in their seventies <laughs> and eighties. Said, oh, "I just want to let you know we're going to be over at Fellowship for uh, for a week, and we're taking our spouses with us." So. I thought that was funny. Now, I'm not trying to bag on Ed Young. The church obviously has done some great things. That's great. That's but great. it's that idea of just constantly chasing after some media point or something that can hit a billboard. Yeah. Just thinking, I mean, some of the people that I respect the most, I've never heard in media. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, it's because it, it can't be a one and done. If you do something grandiose like that, well, then you've got to up it. You've What's gotta, next? You've got to one up What's it. next? So, yeah. So that becomes your main mission is to do better than you did the last time. And that's like, that's just, man, that's too much pressure and totally unnecessary, I believe. Well, I have, through personal experience, I've worked with several churches that got into that habit of chasing what's next. Now, they might not say chasing the cool, but they definitely were aggressively pursuing the next big thing all the time. Yeah. Now, if I can give a compare and contrast here. Please. So I was blessed and fortunate to have some time at Saddleback Church in California. And I was at this incredible Christmas staff event, and Rick Warren's up there, and he's talking about the future, and he's using, naturally, a surfing metaphor. <laughs> and, he, and I was much younger back then. And he had said, guys, I don't really know where we're headed. But what I can tell you is that we've ridden a great wave, with Purpose Driven, and we are going to paddle back out. We're going to wait for the next wave, and then we're going to paddle like crazy to catch that wave Mm. and ride it into the shore, and then we're going to do it all over again. And I remember being a young consultant at the time thinking, that was ludicrous. I can't believe he just said that. You never tell your people you don't know where you're going, man. You got to know exactly (laughs) what's happening and press on. And here he was, just, man, it's just, it's going to be fine. God's Mm. in charge. We're going to figure it out. And that was part of their culture there. But as an older guy now, I so respect that. Yeah. I so respect that. So does that spur any thought for you? Well, it does. But, you know, I mean, you think, okay, let's take the example Purpose Driven, which had a heyday, which was great. And now it's like, you know, on the 50% off cabinet. So it is that, and that's kind of the danger, I think, of those kind of things. Yeah, catching the next wave, I think, is the right move. Trying to create the next wave, I think that's Great where distinction. the danger, danger occurs. Great yeah. distinction. You're yeah. exactly right. Trying to manufacture something to hit the heights of where we used to be. That's just, again, an endless pursuit. I had one of the best financial advice that I ever had. I don't even know who told me. Some wizened man pulled me to the side at some point, and he said, Christopher, if you have to force things to happen, then you should stop and listen to the Lord. Yeah. Because God <laughs> might be telling you to not do this. Yeah. Now, as a young person, you know, newly married, that was, okay, I need a car. And yeah. Am I going to pay $1,000 for a junker and drive it around, or am I going to buy a new car? And if yeah. I buy a new car, that means, well, I need. if I just don't buy as much food for my family this month, I can get that new car and really enjoy it. Yeah. And so I'm pressing, pushing to make something happen that I really want to happen yeah. that should always be warning signs to stop. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it, that's the amazing part about God, about Scripture, about the Gospel, they don't change, you know, so that anchor, using the sea metaphor, 
that anchor to be able to hold on to something with all the winds of change that are going around mm-hmm. is significant. And I think that's a great word for pastors because, again, try to define cool. That's undefinable for sure. But driving people to the cross. I mean, every time. It's got to be Jesus. And if it's a cool moment with a great illustration and a great thing, if it's driving people to Jesus, cross, and the empty tomb, then that's going to be significant, and that will last. And that, I think, is good. I agree with you. I remember Annie McQuitty at Irving Bible, he had said one time that if a major change doesn't occur in his church every six months, mm. that he starts to fear fearful yeah. that they've missed something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, hear me, okay? I have mad respect for Andy, and yeah. I know his heart in what he was saying. He was not trying to say they're chasing after what's next. He was right. just saying... Yeah. Alarm bells are going off in the head. That culture is changing so quickly around us yeah. that we need to be aware of what's happening in our communities, yeah. especially in the Metroplex, yeah. uh, one of the strongest economies in the country, and headquarters are constantly moving in and out of here, so yeah. we just need to be aware of what's going on. Yeah, and that's wise. But, I mean, that's, that's why you see all these cookie-cutter churches, because, hey, I saw this guy do that over in his context, and that's cool, so I'm going to do the same thing here. And we always say how ridiculous that is, but still it happens time and time again. Right. Hey, that worked for that guy. Even though my context is different, I think I can plug and play here. And it's just, that's not the way to do it. Yeah, and there, there's a great book. Clark and Crossland wrote a book called The Leader's Voice. Hmm. And in it, they talk about how to find your authenticity with your own voice. Yeah. And that if, yeah. you're try, if you're trying to be Matt Chandler, yeah. if you're trying to be Chuck Swindoll, yeah. if you're trying to be Andy Stanley, you're never yeah. going to be. Right. So stop it. Yes, you got to know your context. Right, got to know your community. Hey, one one last just word of warning on this whole chasing cool thing. Yeah, I'm going to use a financial illustration here from the corporate world, but I do I do see this happening in the church. In my heart, breaks to see this in the church as well, and mm-hmm. that is this term called leverage. Uh-huh. So, in the corporate world, it is commonplace to leverage your assets in order to do things that are outside of your cash flow ability to uh-huh. accomplish. So as an example, we have, I'm at Apple and we have this incredible new product called the iPhone that we're developing and sinking billions of dollars in development on. We really don't have the assets and the cash to fund all that stuff. So we go into debt. We borrow against our current assets in hopes that the money we're investing in a future product is going to generate enough profit to pay off all of our debts. Right. And That is a sound and reasonable strategy that companies have used infinitum. I'm not arguing against the concept of leverage. What I'm concerned about is over leverage because that's why companies go bankrupt. And when you do that type of stuff in the church, man, danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. In this whole concept of chasing the next cool thing, you know, and uh, I'll just I'll just end with this thought. A friend of mine, uh, Chris Shopmeyer, what's up, Shop? He said this to me years and years ago, and it really has stuck with me. It's a simple statement. If you know Chris, you'll know why it's a simple statement. But uh, <laughs> sorry, Chris, uh, what he said was this: Beware the icing on the cake. Ooh, I love icing. Well, I do too. And I, and when I think about a cake, that's really the best part. Yes. But what his point was is that in the church so often we focus on the icing. We focus on the flashy, the pretty, yeah, the, the decorative, the outside, right? Right. and the outside candy shell. Come on. Right? Mm-hmm. But what he was arguing about is he's just saying, look, man, if the cake itself is not good, mm. then no one will care what the icing is. Yeah. So focus on the cake. 
Yeah. And I just, man, thank you, Shopmeyer, for telling me that, because it has really <laughs> stuck with me through the years. Yeah. Yeah. What did Jesus call the Pharisees? Whitewashed tombs. Mm. Look good on the outside, but dead bones inside. Mm. It's easy to look flashy. It's easy to look successful when inside there's just death. And so churches have to be aware of all that because it doesn't pay to try to be cool. Now, can I tell you the irony of all of this, what we're saying? If people showed up on our campus, if any of the listeners showed up yeah. and came to our worship services, they would, they would see plenty of flash. Yeah. They no would doubt. see yeah. completely modern lighting. Yeah. They would see moving lights, maybe some lasers here and there. Yeah. Great sound system. Yeah. I mean, they would they would see all that stuff. Right. So I'm not arguing against no. the use of AV yeah. and the use of those things. Yeah. It's just what's most important. What are right. you pressing on? What are you pushing on? Yeah. Don't yeah. let that be it. Yeah, I think, and that's that attraction part, that hook or whatever. I think that is an important step in evangelism, but if you don't have any meat to offer, it's not going to sustain. And that's what we're talking about. Either quick fix or chasing cool, th- those are not sustainable. Amen. Uh, the Word of God is sustainable. So that's got to be where you're driving people towards. Well, for our dozens of listeners out there, let me just I say did. this. Uh, Ronnie, it is such a joy to get to serve with you. Back at you, man. Man, I appreciate uh, all that you do at this church. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. As always, if you have a Crazy Pastors story to share or would like to discuss mm-hmm. a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at firstburleson.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. 